Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I hope you're doing really well. I hope you're having a fantastic week. I hope you are having a amazing Super Bowl weekend. I know it is wild right now uh, in terms of the sports world, um, but I'm excited to see you know all the fans for the, the Chiefs and the Eagles go at it this weekend because it's going to be really, really fun to see how that all goes down. Uh, we are back. I took a small break. Um, in terms of making some content, you know, I needed to get away while, you know, just finishing up and wrapping up the Spawnies, which was a huge success. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. Um, and you can hear I'm a little bit sick. Uh, so trying to get over a little bit of sickness too in the mix as well. But all that said, really, really having a good time, having a wonderful beginning of 2023. Wild that it's almost like halfway through February and Black History Month is almost over. Uh, that is the thing I did not expect to see happen this fast. It feels like the older that I get, the faster things move. So it's just wild to see, you know, how that is moving in that conversation as well. Again, hoping you're all doing well, hoping that you missed us and hoping that you're digging the conversation that we're about to have today because I think it's going to be a pretty... important one uh for not only the way that you know we're thinking about how we kind of fit into the space but also just some things that i'm seeing that I'm, I'm i'm kind of paying attention to in a lot of different ways so it's always you know kind of cool to be able to see how all of us are, are doing our work and also you know how we're all kind of figuring out the best ways to get things done um again thank you for everybody who's listening make sure you're subscribing and checking out the show on all the podcast platforms out on the planet thank you to everyone who watched the spawnies this year we had a ridiculous uh amount of folks come by and watch the show it was myself and rihanna getting it in and making it happen and it seems like the the energy that was in the room was very very good and everybody loved it and uh i'm just super super proud and happy for what we were able to do with our show it was a blast and, and just super fun to, to knock all that stuff out this show is not going to be super wild not crazy long because uh, it's really only really two or three topics that i want to dig into for this week in the 411 so let's get into the information and news of the week with the 411 <laughs> This week on the 411, Hogwarts Legacy finally dropped. It is now out in the world. And one of the wildest things that I saw was not about the conversation. Well, you know, it, it, all of it was was filtered around J.K. Rowling and her turfness uh, and, and all the terrible things that she is doing to the trans community. And rightfully so. It's been a long conversation that's happened for multiple years and especially in the time that Hogwarts Legacy has dropped. There's been a lot of conversation about, you know, what this game is going to be, what is going to be the kind of overall, you know, audience reception to it, knowing all the terrible things that J.K. Rowling has done and said. And 
to be honest, it was one of those things where everyone who has been paying attention in the video game space and folks who have been, you know, doing this work for a while, especially on the inside of the space, have understood that this conversation was going to be a shit show from the beginning. Like, no one has been excited about this game dropping because of the conversations that were going to be coming out. And the thing I want to focus on for this episode is not the terrible parts of jk rowling because we already know that those parts are there we are all in consensus that she's a terrible human being and a dangerous human being and the things that she has said and things she continues to do to the trans community we're we're not going to double down on that part of the conversation that's a well-known thing everybody in the conversation has already understood that and i don't think it brings anything new to the conversation this week the thing that there's two things that did kind of stand out to me this week was one that the game is blown up on Twitch. It's doing pretty good numbers. There's a little bit of futzing of some of those numbers because of the fact that the game has Twitch drops al- uh, aligned with it. So that means automatically that more people are going to be uh, you know, interested in it and wanting to check it out and seeing how people are going to come to it. Um, and it's really gotten a fairly good response from a lot of folks who are not in the in the in the, in the gaming industry space which i kind of expected to i, d- I didn't think that this was going to be a game that people were just going to pan because of the conversations that were being had within the industry and around the game in that in that part i, I just don't think those things kind of translate outside of our uh industry bubble in the ways that we hope um and sadly that was the case you know the game is doing fairly well in a lot of different ways um in terms of viewership and i'm sure once the sales numbers come out that all the folks who were boycotting were going to feel like you know to a certain extent that the the message wasn't getting through and wasn't being heard um in a lot of different ways the other part that i really want to dig into this week and 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 want to talk to has been just the way that we as an industry have decided to talk about things that we don't like and things that we hate and, and conversations that are um, broader than just the gaming space. Again, I think, you know, our show is talking about this in in, in, in a fair amount of, of ways. Again, we are folks who stand with the, the LGBTQ uh, community. And the thing that has come about has been this really super super kind of gross way that a lot of folks who are people who i would consider peers in the industry have talked to the audience in a way and have not even just talked to the audience but have talked to and kind of expressed this other layer of hatred towards other folks in the space who are also in our camp about like we don't want you know uh transphobia in our space and we don't want to uplift uh, folks like J.K. Rowling in any form or fashion, but have turned that want to be loud and proud and to kind of shout down um, uh, uh, grossness and, and, and awfulness in those spaces and have directed that directly at other folks within the space and other folks in the industry and other folks who are for the, for the sake of a better word, allies in the space. And again, conversations about allyship are, are very, very fraught with different ways that people think about allyship, the ways that people come to the conversation, the ideas about performative allyship and, and the ways that those things come across. But I've seen for at least the past eight months, especially you know since the game has been talked about or, or the game has been 
um, announced that there's been this really funky, terrible energy that I've seen about people who want to engage with it on the gaming industry side. Folks who are looking to review the game or folks who are paying attention and want to engage with it to kind of understand, you know, what layers are there for people to be able to kind of check this thing out and feel okay with the process of engaging with a product that has a problematic layer to it in a, in a much bigger and broader way. So there's been calls for boycotts, which I think are totally fine and reasonable. There have been calls for people to not, to not check out the game at all. If you know, if you're not going to stream it, please don't stream it. Uh, there's been conversations about, you know, how people are going to come to the game and at all. And the thing that has been the underlying wild stuff that I've seen is just, there is this unsaid, unspoken kind of thing where if you are a, a part of the gaming industry who's going to check out the game and, and give a review or have thoughts about it, there's this kind of side eye to even being able to do that in a comprehensive way. We've seen folks at IGN get ripped to cult, you know, ripped to shreds about, you know, them putting out a statement that basically did what I think most people wanted uh, the industry to do was to, you know, if you're going to talk about the game in any way, if you're going to review it, if you're going to do any of that work, that you need to have some prefaced messaging or at least acknowledge the grossness that is going alongside this game coming from that creator and coming from that space. There's also been this part of that conversation of if you do that work, now your allyship has been removed from the equation. Like you are no longer have you no longer have the ability to be, to, to call yourself an ally or to talk about some of these issues or to be a part of that conversation because it doesn't feel like you know in the eyes of many that you are a sometimey ally. Um, and it's been nuts because I've just seen so many people who I know who are you know advocates and folks who consider themselves to be allies and a lot of folks who would potentially be in some of those conversations and say like I want to help lift my lift, lift the voice up of other people be kind of shot down and be shamed into the process of not being able to say anything because saying anything is has this weird you know, supposed alliance with the messaging that J.K. Rowling has been saying, which I think is been really, really like missing the point and missing the bullseye on what I would hope allyship could be in a space like this. And I think it's just been really shitty to see so many of my peers go for the throat at other people who are also in the industry who have, for the most part, over their careers been loud and proud about, about how much they stand by the community in that way. But it feels like this one particular game has gi has given the, the ability to put some kind of scarlet letter on you if you look at it, if you touch it, if you engage with it in a way that's public that I feel is really doing a disservice to the conversations that we could be having about what this game is. How do we think about games that have problematic people behind them or attached to them or adjacent to them? Um, and I feel like it's one of those things of where the hope that I had would be that, you know, people would engage with the product and say, 
let's dig into this in a way where we can break down the things that are problematic or talk about how Avalanche missed the, the mark on some of those things. Does JK's influence really kind of come through in all of it in ways that are not just, the, again, about the, the lore and the story that was written, but like, you know, how is some of those things connecting in a way that feel... Um, uh, fully, you know, embodying some of the things that we don't want, and how do you, as a game, in in, in engage with the layers of the the base parts of it? Right again, the how does it play? Does it feel good as a game? All of those things. I think there are some people who would say, just on its face, it doesn't matter. I do think, as a gaming industry, we do have to kind of be able to look at problematic things and say, hey, you know all these layers are here let's address that and put that out on front street and then you can do the work of doing the other parts of what a lot of us are here to do which is to talk about the games that we're playing talk about it through the prisms that we we live through and then be able to give feedback to the audience in a way that feels smart feels nuanced and feels um worthy of 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 people's ears and eyes and time and it feels like, yes, there have been some reviews that have gone out. I think some of them have been pretty, pretty reasonable. Some of them I also think are, you know, biased in the other way, which I think is also really interesting to see in a, in a, in a space where, you know, we talk about not really putting a, a heavy layer of bias towards or against products that are out in the world that there's been some of that in the space that has kind of moved through it as well. The thing that has also popped up has been this really wild layer of public naming and shaming that I also feel like just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So there was a, a person online, I was on my Twitter feed, and this person put up this tweet of a website that they created called "Hey, uh, HaveTheyStreamTheWizardGame.com. And the idea is that you can, you know, go through the database of folks of people who have streamed the game and then, you know, based on your uh, opinion about, you know, whether it's allowable or if it's a thing that has any ethical uh, layers to it or, you know, what's the ethical layer that you're coming to in the prism that you have, should you then like remove that person from your space for just streaming a game? That is some of the wildest stuff I've seen in in our space in a long time. Like this week was an ugly week for the gaming industry. Not only for the previous weeks where we've lost a bunch of outlets and a bunch of people who are really smart and do really great work, but now we're into this space where because of a thing that you don't like, and again, has real world consequence in a way that again, no one is denying, that now we're going to use some of that same energy that we could use for other forms of activism to go and name and shame people who are just engaging with a thing. You don't know what their politics are. You don't know what their um, opinions are on the game. You don't know what any of the things are about why they may engage with this one product, but we're giving people tools basically for harassment as people within the space. And I didn't see a fair amount of folks within this industry look at that, say that shit is wild and we need to not do that. Like that is madness to me that that was a thing that I just didn't see a lot of people talk about and say, maybe this is a thing that we shouldn't do. And it, and it, and it bugs me out because 
as folks who are within this space who have been fighting the good fight for a long time, and there are many of us who have been doing that work, it has been really interesting to see how oftentimes of late, and this has been in the, in the past couple of years, so many of the things that we have fought against in terms of harassment and bullying and um, making sure that, that, that people on the online spaces are safe, especially for folks who are out front like we are often, that some of the same taxes that we see some from some of the worst offenders in the space, we are now adopting and using in the same space that we have been telling people not to do for over a decade. That's that's problematic to me in a lot of different ways. I don't know what to think about that. I don't have any real solutions for what the next step should be in terms of activism in the gaming space right now, besides some of the things that have already been happening. Again, I think boycotts do work if you get the messaging out in the right way. I think, you know, WB put out put out a game and, and, and their marketing has been ridiculously big for this game and it has been for a long period of time. Um, but I don't think that telling people who are potentially on your side that if you touch a thing, if you engage with a thing, if you just play a thing, your allyship is no longer needed, and it's and it's and it's um, tenuous at best. And if those people who believe that are in that space, and that's the route that you're going to want to go, I understand it from a certain perspective, but I also feel like. You're wind, you wind up losing good potential soldiers by shunning people just off rip and not understanding their politics or the folks who have said for a long period of time where they stand with you that on this one particular thing, if alignment is skewed or not even alignment is skewed, if, if you just, again, engage with the thing that I can look at you and be like, well, now all of the work that you potentially might've done in the space, any of the conversations that you might've had on behalf of people, any of those things that would construe and what could, what could be uh, thought of as good, valuable allyship. None of that means anything anymore. So to me, it makes a lot of the conversations around allyship really dig around to say, well, like if it's only performative and loud and proud, that means that it's, that's the only version that's valid. And if you do any of that stuff, behind the scenes that you then need to tell everybody and boast about it to kind of counteract the fact that if you did engage with this thing, that people who are your peers, people who are your coworkers, people who are folks who you have relationships with need to see that to understand that you are still quote unquote, you know, on the good side of the fence. And I feel like that's just weird and it doesn't do anything for what, all of us need in terms of the space. I know that there's a lot of conversations around allyship that are fraught because of the intersectionality layers of the way allyship actually works, right? No one is 100% in their allyship. That's honest. Most people aren't. You have things that are in your plate and on your plate that you care about the other folks at certain points in times have a vacillating amount and agree, I'm sorry, an amount of, of degrees that they care at some point. That is a human thing. That is a thing that humans do. That's the way that humans interact with 
anything that is stressful, anything that takes a lot of work, anything that engages you in a way to stick up for other people in that way. It doesn't mean that you are no longer thinking about and and working towards a betterment of the people who are affected. But it does mean that the way that it works, at least on the social media side of things, is that unless your allyship and your work is done in a very public way, then it really doesn't mean anything when something like this happens and there is potentially a thing that the aggrieved group feel is askew, which I think is just a, it's, it's not a, it, it doesn't do a lot for the net positive conversation uh, when you continue to have this conversation about this performative, fragile, transactional layer of allyship. And I just worry about that as a person who gives a shit and who cares a lot that we wind up losing potential good soldiers in these fights because we message things in a way that is off-putting or we talk to people and say, if you do this one thing, you ain't shit and we don't have a need for you anymore. And that has been a prevailing conversation in the gaming industry, especially across so many of the peers that I've seen and I've been disappointed in the way that people have talked to each other in the ways that they have engaged with each other because especially with a thing like this, we understand in the gaming industry that most of the things that are important in this space all revolve around access. They all revolve around relationships. They all revolve around a unwritten unsaid thing of like, look, if I trust you and I believe that you are a decent human being, I will more than likely work with you and want to do things with you. You know, again, all the analytics and numbers and growth and all that kind of stuff. That's also, excuse me, a part of the equation, of course. But I think the underlying foundation of the way that the industry has worked for me and for as, as many people that I know, a lot of the old school cats has been, you know, for the most part, if you're a decent human being and we see that you're a stand-up person, we want to rock with you, we want to help you build, we want to help you kind of get into a space. This week has flipped some of that stuff in a really weird way where I think more people are probably scared to even say that they are playing this game or touching this game or, at, or engaging with this game or talking about some of the larger issues because... It's a weird outing of yourself, supposedly, that you are no longer a part of an ally group. And I feel like that is a weird and unfortunate thing to just strip away all of the potential ideas around the good work that you have done because you have engaged with the product and you're like, oh, so what does that mean? Oh, I turned it on. You see it on my, on my, on my games list and you see I might be touching it and playing it. And now in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, that person's not an ally. That person doesn't believe in the, in the cause. And you know what? Maybe we don't invite that person to the next event. Maybe we, you know, when that person puts in a, requ a request for an interview with such and such person, maybe we throw that person on the bottom of the pile as opposed to the top of the pile. It's all those things that are worrisome that I don't think a lot of us are talking about because it is this name and shame scarlet letter thing that we're doing that winds up hurting a lot of people in that respect. Again, I do not want to equate 
the terrible legislation, all the terrible things that are happening in the trans community. But I do want to say that there is a conversation here about, again, how do we talk to each other? How do, when we have really big issues and really terrible things that are in our space, how do we talk about them in a reasonable, and I don't, in a reasonable, nuanced way where people can be human, people can make mistakes, people can engage with things that even if you feel is terrible, that they can still engage with to potentially have a a viewpoint on the greater conversation but it feels like we're in, in this weird space where just being adjacent makes you dangerous and that is a terrible precedent to continue to kind of push forward because i've seen it happen to a lot of different people it's happened to me in some ways where somebody's we we've had misconstrued conversations or whatever and then somewhere down the line i hear oh somebody said khalif isn't safe because he said a thing online that was either misconstrued or whatever. I think most people who have known me in this space know that I, I, I kind of understand where the lines are and I, I don't, I don't say things maliciously. Uh, you know, I think there is impact versus intent. And I think some of that stuff is really important. And I've, I've tried to keep my nose as clean as possible because I understand just how tenuous those relationships are because I see it happen all the time to people who didn't do a thing and get snatched the fuck up or did a thing in a way that somebody didn't pay attention to in the fullest extent and they get snatched up. And it winds up being this thing where what happens here, what makes this really dangerous is a lot of people don't go back and, and do the rewrite. A lot of people don't go back two months later and be like, hey, did anybody speak to that person who we, who we just pulled out of the space or said they are no longer allowed to be here or they don't have any value here? We don't do that as an industry. We name and shame people and then we throw them out on the curb. And unless you are a rich famous white dude or or a rich famous person who or a wealthy person who has a lot of power in this industry or people who have power in this industry who are shot callers and or who are the people who have the pen there are very few people who get a second chance if you are not at that higher up uh, upper echelon level there's a lot of people who are lower down on those poles who if you get the idea that you are potentially have done a thing or have been unsafe or have not had, you know, who have said a thing that might've been, you know, a little blue or, you know, has caught somebody in a, in a way that their feelings got hurt. People will go behind your back and tell stories about you in a way that stops you from being able to do your work and potentially stops you from being able to do the things you want to do in this industry because people have an idea of who you are that has been passed along from other people and doesn't actually relate to or reflect who you are as a human being. And things like this website also do that. And the conversations we've had in this industry over the past week also do that. Where no one says it, but there's the side eye and the side eye in this industry is worse. Because people don't pay attention to who you are. They talk, they think about what you said in, in, in public spaces and never go and ask you. I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago and saying, I want more people to ask and not assume. 
it would be great if people did that work because that would be a space where everyone in this industry can be more human. You could fuck up and you can find good ways to have roads to redemption. And there are no roads to redemption in this industry for most of the people who aren't the people that I just talked about. And that's a problematic thing. So with that, I just want to say we botched this hard in the industry, I think, in, in a real way, like on a very human to human way. I've seen more grossness from some of my industry peers, people that I really respect and people who I look up to in this space and think they have really good ideas, but they have totally shit the bed in the ways that they have talked to other people, the ways that they have construed and made up ideas around people's stances. Uh, and this is just stuff that I'm seeing on my timeline, right? So... I want people to be better. I want the conversations to be better. I want people to be more nuanced about the ways that they talk to people. And yes, again, we are all standing lockstep arm in arm to say, we hate transphobes. We hate JK Rowling, all of those things. I don't think that engaging with a product automatically removes any of that work that has happened for people who have done that work in this space and for other people who are engaging with this game, who aren't in the gaming industry, there are a ton of people out here who are just buying this game because they want to upset AKA woke people. They want to buy this game as some weird, you know, middle finger to all the people who are in the social justice camp of things. Fuck those people. Those people are terrible human beings. We already know that. Those are things that we don't have to continue to say. But for the people who are like, yo, I have an understanding of a world. I have an understanding of what, what's happening here. I also think that I want to check this thing out and, and, and play it and, and, and feel like I can engage with it in a smart adult way. You can do two things at once. You can say JK is a shithead and you can also play a game and be like, I kind of dig what this is, or I don't dig what this is with all the layers that are, that are touching within that big Venn diagram. I just feel like this binary thing that we do where you're either on the good side or you're either on the bad side and there's no in between is a shitty way for our industry to continue to, to operate. And it's, it's a problematic thing that I wish would not happen within our space. So, uh, we got, one more story that we're going to dig into. No, not actually, we have a couple more stories. I'm a liar. Uh, the second story uh, for this week is all about uh, some games that we're losing. We're losing a ton of games early on in this year. A lot of live service games that are unfortunately shutting down because of various parts of both economic issues, uh, parts of their, their, their fan base is not really coming through with them launching really early. Uh, you know, one of those games that, that we're losing very, very soon that is a near and dear game to my heart is Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse, the uh, brawler uh, battle royale game coming from Iron Galaxy and, and uh, was one of the f most fun games I've played in a long time. And I'm extremely sad to see that game wind up leaving and potentially going away very, very soon. For a couple of different reasons, like, uh, you know, I don't know if the player base ever came around to it or the Battle Royale space is continuously just being so saturated. And that was a problem. But we're also seeing games like Knockout City go away, which was a fairly big success coming out of EA. Uh, but it does have this thing where what happens with all of these games? Again, a lot of the conversations have always been around, you know, um, uh, 
preservation of, of these games and games in general. Uh, super sad to see games like that go away. Echo VR is going away, which was a big, huge game within the VR space is also shutting down uh, on August 1st. And a bunch of mobile titles are also going out of the space as well. I wonder what this means for the conversation around live service games, which I think has also been one that a lot of people have been talking about, trying to figure out good ways to engage in, and also trying to figure out what is the longevity, what's the long tail for a lot of live service games. A lot of live service games need a continuous content funnel to be valuable in the space and we see what happens when they don't in games like halo infinite halo infinite was a pretty fun game but the things that people come to that game for in terms of the multiplayer offerings just weren't really there for that game and it wound up being something where they had to pivot really hard about what they wanted to do with that game with that franchise and now we see you know a large turnover with that with that uh company with them losing Bonnie Ross earlier, uh, later in uh, 2022, and now them talking about how they want to reframe a lot of the ways that that game is going to come to market in the future and what does that mean for the future of the Halo IP. So it winds up being a really, trep- a really trepidatious space where, you know, games now, beforehand, you had like maybe a six month window to. You know, you had a year window kind of to kind of like get your footing if you didn't like, if you weren't doing like gangbusters right out the gate. Games like Rumbleverse were out of here in less than eight months. And what does that mean? Does that mean that now that window of opportunity to be able to catch a a player's ears and eyes and mind is even shorter? What does that mean for the way that we think about the future of games that get built? Um, it's a scary time for games in that, in that space. And, and a lot of developers who are making new games and, and new, uh, um, experiences. And what does this mean for folks who are trying something that is not the usual? Does that mean that we get more games that are cookie cutter games that, that feel very, you know, samey over time? Does that mean that people will still try to innovate unless you have a really big marketing budget? Like, what does that mean for so many of those games? Like, ones like Let It Die, also now going into kind of basically suspended animation for a bit, where that game was a super fun game. It was super wacky and weird and and was not a thing that is going to be, you know, going to have broad uh, visibility or broad um, uh, uh, critical acclaim, but for folks who really dug it, it's a dope game. And now that game is probably not going to have a life after the next six months, which is also a little bit worrisome and scary. Um, I don't know how we fix this. I don't know if this is a thing that we continue to kind of grow in this space and figure out good ways to make some, some fun things happen. Or does it really just become something where you no longer have a space to really miss like or not even miss like you have to be mega popular right out the gate and what happens if you're not and what what's the cutoff in terms of viability and success now what have those metrics changed in a way that we're not hearing gdc is coming up i wonder if that's going to be a conversation that we're going to see uh talked about a lot you know in 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 the future uh i do wonder what that means for a lot of 
again, wacky titles that don't have big budgets. Um, and I wonder what that means for the indie space because indie these games had okay budgets from decently known studios. If you're a little game, what the hell does that mean for you? So, gonna be real weird. I don't know how it's gonna play itself out, but I hope that people can find good landing points for what that needs to be for 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 the future of, of, of where the gaming space is going to wind up i think that's going to be a really hard hard thing for a lot of people uh moving forward into the space um let's take a quick 30 second break uh i want you to hear a, a little thing about the spawnies and then we'll come right back into the show with our last conversation of the show hey did you miss the spawnies I, I was buttering my biscuits and hanging out in the chat. What do, you, what do you want? Well, where can I catch it? I mean, you can go check it out on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash spawn on me. Go check out the VOD. Go check out the vibes. And also go to twitch.tv slash spawn on me. You can check out all the fun that was happening in the chat when we did it live over there as well. So much love to you all. We'll see you on the chat. Peace. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, if you missed the first part of the show, you missed a really good conversation uh, about Hogwarts Legacy and the industry, about how we are botching that conversation in a big way. Uh, and also, we were losing a ton of games uh, early on in 2023, and, and what are the repercussions for that for the industry as well. Uh, before we get about it here, uh, I want to say again, thank you to everybody who checked out the Spawnies. The Spawnies did really, really well this year. Uh, we got a 15% jump, in not only in, in viewership, but in people who just got a chance to check out the show. Uh, it was a huge success in a lot of different ways. Massive love to Rihanna and massive love to our friends over Kind of Funny and everybody who participated in that show. Uh, and it's kind of the perfect lead into this last story, which is we are being featured in Apple Podcasts in everything section for Black History Month. Our show uh, and a ton of other fantastic black podcasts are being featured in Apple Podcasts. You have to dig a little bit through a couple of different layers to find us, uh, but we're in there in the kind of like uh, see more section of the in everything Black History Month uh, um, campaign. And just really happy and proud that we're in that space. We're doing, again, I hope in our 10th year doing good work that people all really dig and love. Um, and hopefully people are really excited that we're uh, able to do this. I'm so hyped to be able to do this uh, in Apple Podcasts. We've been dying to get featured there at some point. And I haven't checked our numbers because we missed a couple of weeks of doing shows, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if our numbers are going to grow based on those bits there. Um, I have a lot of traveling to do this week. Uh, I'm sorry, in the next couple of weeks and for the rest of February, uh, going to be checking out a couple of games uh, in some places around uh, in California uh, and heading over to, to Dice uh, later on in the month and then GDC uh, in March. So a lot of good things come in for Spawn on Me uh, in the conversation there. Again, if you want to get up with us and talk about sponsoring a show, an episode, or, or any of the podcast stuff, you know, hit us up on our website at spawnonme.com. Uh, there's a contact form there for you to be able to check us out and, and send us some love and talk to us there. Or you can hit me up at Kajakins. No, that's wrong. At Kalif Adams on Twitter or at Spawn on Me on Twitter uh, to be able to find out more information about how you can connect with us and do fun things on our show. So until next week, we're going to get up out of here. We had a long break uh, and I'm going to go check out the rest of the Super Bowl and see who's winning, winning the game. 
until then, next week, we'll see you all soon. We'll see you all soon. Uh, oh, one last thing. I forgot to talk about this because this is extremely important. Um, we lost uh, an amazing artist. Um, Plug 2 from De La Soul, one of my favorite groups on the planet, passed away at the age of 54 this week. Um, it was a huge part of my life. It was a huge part of uh, the, 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 the essence of Spawn on Me in so many different ways. Um, and, and, and Dove was, was one of the best MCs on the planet. De La Soul's, you know, fingerprint on hip hop and, and what this space means. They are, they are our Beatles. They are the, 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 the people who laid so much of the lyricist foundation of fun and, and, and intelligent spitting, um, and it's just extremely sad that we lost uh, Dave uh, at such an early age of, of 54. So massive love to all the Daylight fans out in the world. Massive love to the Daylight crew. Uh, you are in our hearts this week uh, and, and sending you all some love wherever you may be. Uh, the stakes is high and we know what we got to do. Um, much love to you all. Have a good rest of your week. We see you all soon. Check us out. Twitch.tv slash spawn on me. 6 p.m. PST Wednesday evenings. We'll be getting back to the grind then. Um, and until then, much love. Wash your hands. Wash your butt. And be good. Peace.